0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right. I would like to take the Word of God, please, and turn to Luke chapter 24. I also like to thank those special people that came uh, tonight. And thank you for coming, and I appreciate it so much. So Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I have an introduction, but I'll start my introduction after we read. <clears throat> Luke 24 and verse one. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the lord jesus and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout behold two men stood stood by them in shining garments and as they were afraid they bowed their faces to the earth they said unto them why seek ye the living among the dead he is not here but is risen Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and returned from the sepulcher, and told all these things unto the eleven, and unto all the rest. The focus verse tonight is verse number five. I'd like to read verse number five again, and that's the zoom in and the focus verse. And they were afraid. And as they were afraid they bowed their faces to the earth and they said unto them why seek ye the living among the dead why seek ye the living among the dead I know many of you know me very well you might not know something about me that I am bilingual I can speak more than one language very fluently The first language I speak is English I'm very good at English and that's the first language I learned. The second language I can speak very fluently is sarcasm. I love sarcasm. That's my kind of humor. It is kind of like a dry sarcastic humor, kind of like how the Grinch stole Christmas kind of humor. Just kind of a dry sarcasm humor. And when I read the question in verse 5, I sense traces of sarcasm. It is a silly question hey ladies just came to the tomb why are you seeking someone who's alive in a graveyard it's it's kind of it's a ridiculous question can, can can you hear just the ridiculousness about it hey why are you seeking someone who's definitely living in a cemetery doesn't make any sense what are you doing here So let's go a little review. God knew that these ladies would be coming. The ladies that came are Mary, the mother of James, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Salome, and the other women, as the Bible tells them. And they came into the sepulchre. God knew that they were coming, so God sent some angels to speak to them and give them some news. And the definition of angels are messengers. Anytime, most anytime, you see angels come up in the Bible... You know that they're messengers. They come with a message. Um, angels came when John the Baptist was born. Angels came, excuse me, the, to tell that he was going to be born. Angels came when Jesus was, was told that he was going to be born and then what, when he was born also. And then um, angels came to Daniel and told Daniel of the, of the prophecy, of all those things that were about to happen. Angels comes with messages. And what was the message that they had? Well, they had a really, really important message. The most, one of the most important messages of the whole universe. And the message was, He is not dead, He is risen. Amen? Amen. We just celebrated Easter. By the way, He's not dead, He is risen. Amen? Amen. Amen. They came with that message, but before they gave those words which we know is so extremely important, God had them speak and instead ask a question. Why seek the living among the dead? Instead of of the words, he's risen, what are you doing here? Hey, why seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Questions in the Bible are so powerful They have so much purpose behind them. I'll give you three. Genesis 3, 9. And the Lord God said unto Adam, Where art thou? That's a huge question. Has a lot of backing behind it. 1 Samuel 17, 29. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Questions in the Bible. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Big questions in the Bible. God's asked us questions in the Bible that that we aren't, God doesn't know the answer. That's not true. It's that we are supposed to find the answer. We're supposed to find what the question and seek out the answer to the question. So the question tonight would be, why seek the living among the dead? Which is the title of the message tonight. Why seek ye the living among the dead? I have three simple points and they're all alliterated. So I appreciate those who take notes, so I make sure that I outline the message for those who take notes. I know you take notes, so. Number one, the seeking. Number one, the seeking. Luke 24, verse 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the the sepulcher. These women, these ladies, they came unto the tomb of Jesus, and they were seeking. And they weren't seeking for something, they were seeking for someone. And we know that that was Jesus. And we live in a world today of people who are seeking. People who are looking for something. I want, um, I'm used to teaching Sunday school, so I, we have smaller classes. So I'm, we'll have some fun. This side of the room, Ecclesiastes 3.11. On my left hand, Ecclesiastes 3.11. On my right hand, Romans 1.8. Ecclesiastes 3.11. On my left hand... On my right hand, Romans one eight. I couldn't decide what one I wanted you all to turn to, so I chose both. Just divide it. It's that easy. You know, we do that in Sunday school, not as common in church. Luke twenty four, verse one. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Ecclesiastes three eleven, and Romans one eight. Ecclesiastes three eleven says this: He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart. I believe that in creation, God has put a certain knowledge of himself in every single person. Every single person has a certain, certain knowledge of God in his creation, every single person. You can see that in Ecclesiastes 3.11. You can see it in Romans 1, verse 8. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. By the way, how'd they get that truth? Verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. Go down to verse 20. For the invisible things of him From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everyone, everyone who has ever been created has a certain knowledge or a certain know of God himself because he created us that way may be known, God is manifest in them. He, he, he created you that way. God puts a certain power in us, not that we are saved, but that we know, we know, we somehow we know right and wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't take saved people to know right and wrong. Somehow that's just, we just know that. We just know it's just not right to kill someone. We just know it's just, it's just not right to take something that's not ours. And for some reason, we're just kind of built that way. Well, God built us that way. And He put within every single human being that's ever been born this knowledge that there is more than themselves. That's why I have a problem believing in atheism or that the definition of atheist really exists, because of these two verses. God has put in us that He's there. God has put in us that there's something more than yourself. There's got to be something more than you. And that's why I just, I just don't believe that, by definition, atheism can really happen. God puts knowledge of him in himself, and they may deny it, but they for sure believe it. They believe something inside. I get this. I had an example of this. Paul in Acts uh, Paul in Acts 17, he ascended Mars Hill and he looks down and he sees, I'm going to play this out, he sees statues and, and altars to, to gods. So th- they have the God over here of this, of this people. They have the God over here of this people. They have the God over here of this people. And they have, you know, here's a statue for the God Jehovah that the Israelites follow. And here's a statue for this God. Here's a statue for this God. But just in case that we missed one, just in case that you know, we you know, don't want to miss one, or just in case we didn't have all of our uh, I's dotted and, and, and T's checked, we'll just make an altar and we'll write on it the inscription, to the unknown God, to that thing that's out there, that somewhere that we know because it was built within us. Why is that? Because people believe there's, there's got to be more than this. You know, um, I was I was watching a TV show, and I know it's all fake. I was watching a TV show, and um, there was a man speaking to another man, and they were having a. The main character was having a problem. If he chose option A, um, this person would be hurt, and if he chose option B, this person would be hurt, and you had to choose option A or B. Um, this is really the quick version. So he explains it to his to his friend and his friend you know there's just no answer you can't you can't choose one or the other there's just it's not going to happen so his friend just raises a glass and says well may you find what you're looking for at the bottom of your glass and they take a drink together and for some reason i paused the tv show and i just had to think about that well may you find what you're looking for at the bottom of your glass are you going to you know are you going to find it there are are you going to find that thing that you're looking for at the bottom of, of, of the glass, and I know it was uh, metaphorical, but, you know, is, is that where we're supposed to be looking? So we, we know that maybe unsaved people are definitely searching for something, but I would have to say Christian people search too. Christian people, look, have you ever heard something like this, that there is a hole inside of people, and that hole can only be fulfilled by God. Has anyone heard that? You can raise your hand. I like active people in church. Excellent. That we are built, like I said, we are built with some kind of incomplete. God kind of gave me that word in my study. We are built incomplete. We're not complete. When a baby is born, they're not complete. We are built incomplete so that God can fulfill that whole, that desire, and make it complete. You know, I have a, an eternal living soul, and I have a body, but the Spirit, let's, let, I want to talk about the Spirit for a minute. You know, um, why, why would God build us incomplete? That was, a, that was a question, big question I had. So I looked in my Bible, and, and, you know, I don't believe something is true until the Bible tells me, you know, that's the way to, that's the way to study. So I looked through my Bible and, you know, I need to see if this is true. And I found myself finally in Genesis. You'll find it in Genesis how we are incomplete. And I thought, well, is Adam and Eve, they were complete. They walked in the cool of the day with the Creator. There was nothing wrong with them. They had it made. And then we know what happened. So I'm going to, this is a huge light bulb that I'm going to give you. Because my brain just... Light bulb, huge. Here it comes, huge. Here it comes. <laughs> Gotta stay awake, you know? Gotta. Okay, here it comes. Let's review the creation story. Review the creation story. God told Adam and Eve, Don't eat of the tree of good and evil. If you do, you will surely die. But they did not die physically, they died what? spiritually oh that's what the god-shaped hole is that's the emptiness that's the void oh i'm dead inside there's something missing i have a body that works i have an eternal soul that will never die but the spirit the thing that i communicate with my creator that thing doesn't work that thing's dead And people are looking to fulfill that thing. They want that thing alive. And they're looking at death. Why seek the living among the dead? That makes no sense. First, we have the seeking. We know people are seeking. I believe Christians are seeking too. And secondly, we have the sorrowing. So my first point, the seeking. I hate looking for things. I'll just let you know. I hate it when something's lost. It's a pet peeve of mine. Car keys, my Bible is lost somewhere in the church. It's not. It's right here. But I'm just saying, you know, if anything is lost or anything I have, my watch, any, I hate. It's a pet peeve. I hate it. I like organization. Everything has its spot. I know where exactly everything is because it's there. I got that from my mom. If you know my mom, I got it from her. I love that. And you know what? My first, my first point that I just preached on, people are seeking. I hate seeking. And I can sum up point number two, the sorrowing, in a sentence. And it would be this, when you don't find what you're looking for. I hate that. You're seeking, you're seeking. Number two, the sorrowing. For those taking notes, you don't find what you're looking for. Most people live in the world today have some kind of religious belief or some kind of um, merit that they give themselves that, that they will some go to heaven or s- go to some kind of paradise for something that they've done. And they begin to seek now eternal life based on the work of what they've done. And it, that just kind of, that doesn't make sense to me. Let me illustrate this um, if you're bankrupt, how are you going to pay your own way out of debt? You can't. If I owed everybody in this room some form of money, and as I don't pay you, there's interest, I I would never, I don't think I could do it in a lifetime if I owed you all. $1000, 10,000, 5000, whatever you want it to be. If I owe you all some kind of money and there's interest tacked on, I can't pay it and if I live 70 more years of my life, I still can't pay it. I just don't I don't see how that's going to happen. So I'm bankrupt. Now the same thing happens the same thing happens to people with spiritual and their eternal life. They think the world, is, the world, by the way, is bankrupt morally, bankrupt spiritually, bankrupt in all things of God, and they think, well, if I can work my way out of it, I'll work out of it. If, you know, if at the end, God brings out the balance act and more things are good and less things are bad, I'm pretty sure he'll let me in. You know, or I was, I was baptized as a kid, That'll get me in, right? How are you going to get in if you're bankrupt? That doesn't make sense. And if and if Andrew told me, you know, Ryan, you owe these people all this stuff, when are you going to pay up? I'll just I got I don't, I don't know. And people somehow believe that they can do the same thing spiritually. Believe that somehow, well, I'll just I'll just work out of it if I try hard enough, God will be thankful that I tried. Maybe he's thankful, but that's just not the way to do it. But tonight I know I'm speaking to people that are predominantly already saved. You already know Christ is your Savior. You already know you're going to heaven. So why would I say that you are also seeking the living among the dead? I can find that in Galatians 5. Would you turn please to Galatians 5? Galatians five sixteen. It'll be a familiar passage to most. Galatians five sixteen says this: This I say then: walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Go down to verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This verse said this. The flesh, that wicked, nasty monster that fights in us as a Christian, as a Christian... The wicked, nasty monster that's in us that is fighting against the spirit, it lusts, it desires against the spirit, against what's right. And then the spirit, the same to the flesh. They fight within each other. And you can remember when you were saved, you're all, when excuse me, you can remember when you were unsaved, you were only pulled in one direction. All you knew was the flesh. You just did whatever you want. And you let, you know, you let life go. And then you got saved. Jesus moved into your life. Jesus moved into your heart. He cleaned house. And then now you get this battle. You get this fight that's going on inside you. And, and then we have to choose between the spirit and the flesh. Are we going to choose between what the spirit has for us or what, you know, what I want? What I, I have a better idea Turn now to Numbers 14. We'll be uh, in many scriptures tonight. So just keep going. And I'll keep going if you keep going. Okay. Numbers 14, verse 1. I'll review, um, I'll review what just happened. The Israelites are out of Egypt. And um, Moses gets to Canaan land where they're supposed to move in. And then uh, Moses tells... 12 men, hey, go, in, go into the land, spy it out, and this is gonna be really exciting. This is, I need to tell you something too. This is gonna be really exciting. Go into the land, spy it out, come back, and we're gonna tell the people how cool the land is. Oh man, flowing with milk and honey, so nice, sounds sticky, that's okay. We're so excited. There is so, it's so beautiful there, we're, oh man. And the twelve come back and ten of them say, no, we, um, Moses, we got a problem. We can't go in there. The giants are in there. And we were in ourselves, we were in our sight as grasshoppers compared to them. We can't do that. Numbers 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voices, voice and the people wept whel- and cried. And the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation, saying to them, Would God we, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in the wilderness? And therefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, and our wives and our children to be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return to Egypt. You can stop there. These were God's people. These were the Israelites. These these were people that saw what happened in Egypt. So again, when you're studying Scripture, be sure that you know where you are chronologically. So let's give a little review of what just happened in Egypt. Well, what happened in Egypt? Well, the water turned to blood. There was no animals that could drink from the river. You couldn't wash yourself or your kids, or or your or um, any anything that you use because it was all blood. Then the frogs came and then they died. The lice came. It was all over your food and all over your things. And then they died. Then uh, the flies, the livestock died. There were boils on people all over. And then the doctor of Egypt was just had his hands full. Then there was darkness for three days. And I thought, well, nothing can get done. So Egypt was forced to take a standstill for those three days. Nothing could get done. It was dark. Then, the death of the firstborn happened, and can you imagine how the the stench of death that hung over Egypt, Egypt is disgusting of what happened there, and the people that knew God said, I'll go back to Egypt, I'll go back there. I don't think it's I don't think it's it's I don't think we can make it serving God. I'm not done though. Then God told the the Israelites, "Hey, when you leave, take all the gold and take all the things and borrow from your neighbor the gold." And you might think, "Well, that's stealing." But you could also think that they had 420 years of slave labor and God said, "Today's payday. Take your neighbor's gold and take the land. So then, they looted the land, by the way. We're we're connecting some dots. Where did the Israelites get the golden calf from? They got the gold from Egypt. Where did the Israelites get the gold for the the temple? They got it from Egypt. So they take the gold from Egypt. So then, I think, the whole economy of Egypt is crushed. It's gone because they literally took their their gold and 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 everything that they owned and then the red sea killed the whole egyptian army in one hit egypt is toast it's done what more what worse could happen and then god's people said let's go back there let's go back to that place that just happened And you know what? The the world, the flesh, and the devil—those things that are against us—can say, "Hey, Christians! Hey, people that know God, come back to Egypt. Don't you see how nice it is over here? It looks like we're having fun in all the commercials. It looks like we're having a good time on the outside. And when you see me at work, I'm just having the time of my life. My marriage looks perfect from the outside. Come over here to Egypt." you'll find life here. And then the Holy Spirit of God, living in every one of us, says, Christian, Christian, Excuse me. I'm good. Christian, you'll find life over here. Sorry. I think I'm crying because it's true. I found out myself, which is why I want to preach this message. Okay. I'm okay. All right. Then, you know, oh man, this is going to be tough again. Okay. You know what has to happen? Let's keep going on that illustration. Let's keep going. You know what has to happen when um, the Egyptians, I mean, excuse me, I knew I was going to get that messed up. When the Israelites had to go back to Egypt, this is what has to happen. I have to take this with me. I tried to memorize it. I have to take this with me. Okay. The Israelites would have to walk through plains where God fed them manna from heaven. They had to walk through... Uh, man, I gotta stop. They have to walk through plains where God rained coil quail, excuse me, quail, quail from heaven and supplied their every need. And then they're walking towards Egypt. I'm the Israelites walking towards Egypt. They're walking towards Egypt and then here's the place where that rock opened up and there's no way that that water, drinking water, can flow from a rock. But right here, God did that. I'm on my way back to Egypt though. I don't think God can take care of me now, you know. So then they they go back, and now you're at the Red Sea. I remember when God parted this. I remember when God opened this up, and man, here are literally the chariots that are on the seashore from what happened. They are probably still there. I don't think God can take care of us now, though. I'm on my way back to Egypt. Finally, the Israelites get back to Egypt in my illustration. And they'll find out, wow, that's it. This is what I get. Every time, each Christian, every time that we go back to the world, it seems like every time the answer is, that's it. That's what I get. I remember, man, I remember going to church. I remember being so right with God. And then I came over here to the world, and that's it. That's all I get. I thought it would be so much better over here. Now, I want to do that exact same illustration, but I'm going to change something about it. And it can be any one of us. Now, when each and every Christian chooses to walk away from God, this is what they have to do. Remember that time when God answered that prayer? That was just, there was no way that it wasn't God. There was no way. He absolutely answered everything to the T. I don't think God can take care of me now. Oh, and here's the place, here's that place where God saved my family member, where God saved my friend and turned their life around. That was a miracle. I don't think he can do it now, though. I'm on my way back to Egypt. I'm on my way back to, you know, what the world has for me. So now, here's here's the Bible. Here's the word of God. That's nice. It's a good book for people who read it. I'm going to step over that. And then finally at the end, the last straw. Here's where I got saved. Here's where God saved me. Here's where he gave me real life. But instead, I'm going to go seek what this has for me. I'll go back to Egypt. I'll go seek what this life has for me and see if it's any better and you know what? Again, that's it? You get, you, get back to, you get back to Egypt, you get back to sin, you get back to what the Bible is against, and then you think, that's it? That's what I get? That's, that's, that's supposed to satisfy? No, that would never happen. You want to be happy? You want to be satisfied? where can you find it? In the world's entertainment with the celebrities. You can find it with the music. It's hard for me to say this because it's absolutely wrong, but I'm a sarcastic person. You can find it, you know, you can find it in, for me, it was buying nice things. I love nice things. I love it. And, you know, I can find life with a new car, and I can find life with my high job, getting paid more than you, and I'm not saying you, I'm just in general, getting paid more than other people, man, I can find life there. And when you're finally there, that's it? The the new car, the big job, the whatever thing that you know that you're thinking of, oh man, that's it? I'm supposed to find life here. I'm supposed to be satisfied here. I'm supposed to find joy here. I'm supposed to have everything that I ever needed here without God, and that's it? That's all I get. You won't find it there. First, uh, turn back to Luke 24. First John five twelve. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 1 John 5, 12. Go back to Luke 24. So if, I'm speaking, if I say that unsaved people are seeking the living among the dead, and if I say that Christians are seeking the living among the dead, or we could, then what can be the resolution to this? We need some kind of fix, some kind of resolution. I love it when the Bible answers its own question. The question was asked, why seek the living among the dead? And the answer is simply below it. I should turn to Luke 24 too. Wonderful. Luke 24, verse 7. Saying, the Son of Man... Excuse me, go to verse 6. Why seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember? And you can stop there for a second, but we're going to keep going in that verse. A question mark can be put behind remember. He is not here, but is risen. Remember? Put it, think of it that way. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered. Remember? Remember? Jesus said that this would happen. You're at the tomb of Jesus. It's empty. Where is he at? He said this would happen, remember? He said it in Luke 9, 21. Go back. Shouldn't be that hard. Luke 9, 21. In context, this is the place where uh, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Luke 9, 21, And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man this thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, be slain, and on the third and be raised... Again, the third day, and they remembered his words. There it was, only in Luke 9, and then in Luke 24. They scoot over to Luke 24. The women come to the tomb, and they don't find what they're looking for. 100% of the time, when a Christian, or any person at all, goes to death, they will never find what they're looking for. You're never going to find it there. So what can be the answer to this? Number three, the scriptures. Number one, the seeking. Number two, the sorrowing. Number three, the scriptures. The scriptures happened, and they remembered the words of Christ. And we need to get back to remembering what Christ has said. What can stop us from seeking those vain things that just don't matter? Remembering what Christ has said. When you walk to the world, you walk away from the Bible, and then when you walk to the Bible, you walk away from the world. When they remembered the words of Christ... Get this. Get this really nicely. When they remembered the words of Christ, they stopped looking for him in the wrong place. Again, when they remembered the words of Christ, they stopped looking for him at the wrong place. Exact same with us. When you remember the words of Christ or remember what Christ has done for you, you don't need to seek for him in the wrong place. You got him. You'll find him. Then, when we remember the words of Christ, we won't look for him in the wrong place. When we remember the words of Christ, you stop looking for joy, truth, happiness, contentment in the wrong places. I need to tell you something that I did. I prayed over this service, and I don't know how to say this right. I prayed over this service and I prayed that the Spirit would really convict each and every one with the question, why seek the living among the dead? And I prayed this. The next time that that temptation comes, the next time, I, I call it a closet sin, some kind of sin that nobody knows about, that it's, it's tucked away and, and it's secret and nobody knows about. Next time you're tempted... With sin tempted with the closet sin, I pray that the Holy Spirit will say, hey, why seek the living among the dead? Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing over there? You don't need that. Don't seek life there. You're not going to find it. And they remembered his words. Remember his words, Christian, that every time you go seeking, every time if you're seeking right now, maybe some kind of man or woman will fulfill what I'm seeking. I've thought that before. Maybe some woman will, will fix everything that's wrong with me. No, that's death. Christ can fix it. No, maybe, maybe this will fix, maybe that. No, don't seek the life there. Seek seek God and you have the spirit inside you. I prayed over this service that each person would remember those words, don't seek the living among the dead. What are you doing here? Here are some words we should remember, Romans 8:32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God is waiting and willing To freely give us all things, just like the verse said. And we don't need to seek for things outside of him. What are you really seeking for? Because God already has it. Waiting and willing to give it to us. And you want joy, peace, contentment. You want the void to be filled. You got God. You've got it. And I hope that that's not too simple of an answer because it's the answer. You know, it's got to be God, but it's got to be this too. Not true. Don't seek life there. Seek God. Then, when we remember his words, what are we seeking for anymore? And the world, the flesh, and those things, they suddenly don't become so flashy, you know? Is anyone else like that? Suddenly... What's on, what's on the TV screen, what's popular, you know, 2018, what's popular and what's cool, it just, somehow it just doesn't interest me anymore. And I, I don't know if I ever thought I'd see the day. I just don't care anymore. You know why? I already have life. I've got it. By the way, Christians wonder why the world is the way they are. And then The world wonders why we are the way we are. And there's a big difference. We've got life. We've got eternal life. And they are still seeking. We know people that are seeking. And you wonder why the latest trend, the latest fad, the latest cool thing happens. You know. It's just, hey, they're just seeking. They're seeking to fulfill that void and gap that God put in every single one of them. Finally, turn to Galatians 6 verse 8. I'll end here. Turn to Galatians 6, verse 8. If you've got Jesus, what else do you need? If you've got Jesus, you've got it all. Galatians 6, verse 8, and then we'll be finished. It says this, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life, Everlasting. Finally, 2,000 years ago, some women came to a tomb and they were looking for someone. And angels asked them a pretty silly, obvious question. Ladies, why are you seeking the living among the dead? And tonight, I want to ask the same question, Eastside Baptist Church, may the Holy Spirit convict you with this. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.